Good morning. Good morning. And welcome on this, well, brisk third Sunday of Advent. Our color this morning is rose. It's Godette Sunday. And the only other time we pull out the rose vestments is on the fourth Sunday of Lent, which is Refreshment Sunday. And then it has another Latin name that I haven't quite gotten down yet either. And at this stage of the game, I don't think I ever will. But anyway, uh, it's a wonderful day. We have great celebration. We are celebrating and marking Father Mead's 50th anniversary of ordination to the priesthood, and he will be our preacher this morning. And we also remember this morning Alexis Voss, who was a member here um, in the 90s, and her parents are with us as well this morning. So a warm welcome to everybody at this time. I just ask us to settle out, take a breath, as Tony leads us into worship. Please stand and join in singing hymn 72, found in the blue hymnals.
Blessed are you, holy and living one. You come to your people and set them free. Almighty God, to all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. A reading from the book of Zephaniah. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. O daughter Jerusalem, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall not fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time. And I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home. At that time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to 
reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Our sequence hymn this morning is hymn 68. We'll sing the first two verses prior to the reading of the gospel, the third after. Please stand and join in singing hymn 68. gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to the crowds that came out to be, I'm sorry, let me take that back. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? 
he said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm not going to preach on today's gospel, but I can't resist saying something about it, as you perhaps or should be aware. That gospel comes up every three years. It's year C, St. Luke, um, and it comes up this Sunday in Advent. I, many years ago, I remember a priest associate, dear friend of mine, sitting there at the end of the gospel, read by Father Craig, with the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. With these and many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. <laughs> and the priest said to me, and a Merry Christmas to you, Father. <laughs> well, for months, our rector has been planning with others to have a Sunday for this occasion. We had a lovely reception there after the eight o'clock mass, all in observing the 50th anniversary of my ordination to the priesthood. So I want to register heartfelt thanks to Father Craig and to those who helped him put together this gracious observance. I was ordained priest in Christ Church on Broadway in New Haven on December the 18th, 1971. The following Sunday, I celebrated the Eucharist for the first time here at St. Peter's altar. It was the 8 a.m. Mass. My brother-in-law, Tom Hoxie, was the acolyte. He was in those days a regular altar boy here. 
At the end of the service, I saw that we had forgotten to light the altar candles. <laughs> Why was my first mass here? Because I was a seminarian, summer intern in 1970 and 1971 for what was termed the Narragansett Special Ministries. Because in the summer of 1970, doing that ministry, I met 20-year-old Nancy Hoxie in the parish hall next door, where St. Peter's had a coffee house, the Narragansett Special Ministries. We had a coffee house every day for young people, uh, many of whom were way over their heads in the 60s, drugs, sex, and rock and roll scene. It was a tough scene down there on Ocean Road. Nothing like what you see today. It was tough. It was like Coney Island on a bad day. So the rector put this uh, ministry together, which was supported by uh, many churches uh, from Wickford all the way to Westerly. We need artwork, said the rector, Keith Scott. You'll find artwork at the Hoxies. So one fine evening, there Nancy was, my future wife. Oh my. <laughs> she was a college junior, or we should say a, a, a rising senior, I think that was, with a summer job at the Wickford Yacht Club, teaching sailing and assisted by a charming, handsome teenager, Jamie Wilson, who a half century later became St. Peter's senior warden for Father Craig. The circle completes in more than one way. That December and January of 1971-72 was quite a month for Nancy and me. My 25th birthday was December the 8th, as I already told you, my ordination as a priest was the 18th of December. Meanwhile, Nancy had been working double time to graduate from URI a semester early. This included a summer course in criminology taught by the bright, young, new professor, Leo Carroll, a future St. Peter's leader, indeed, warden and treasurer and all, a lot of other things. Then there was Christmas, then New Year's, when on New Year's Day at 4 p.m., Nancy and I were married here by Father Scott. Three days later, I took Nancy back with me to England, to Oxford, where I had already spent the fall term in theological graduate study. After three months in a thatched cottage, we spent 18 months in a vicarage attic. No central heating in damp England in those days. Nancy worked for a florist, Gemini, it still exists, in the Oxford covered market, and I hung out in libraries, working on my thesis, which Nancy typed. A few months before my terrifying but successful Viva Voce exam, our daughter Emma was born. She and the thesis were on the same gestation schedule. <laughs> Those two years in Oxford were, shall we say, quite defining.
St. Peter's is dear to me, but it was Nancy's family church. Her grandmother and father were baptized and confirmed here. Her father had been a warden and her mother had served on the vestry. What does this have to do with my priesthood? Everything, because my ministry, especially as a full-time parish priest for 41 years, would not have been possible without Nancy Hoxie Mead. Typing that thesis all the way through pregnancy while working in the covered market to put food on the table was a sign of things to come. Her devotion, support, courage, creativity, generosity, hard work, and in all persevering love sustained me and made up my deficits. She attracted our various church calls and earned our church pension every bit as much as I did. About a dozen years ago, when I was beginning to think about retirement, an old classmate from Yale Divinity School, class of 71, a noteworthy Presbyterian, was working on a sabbatical project interviewing his classmates who had entered and stayed in parish ministry. In those days, we were a distinct minority. People who went to Yale Divinity School went off to other things. Only maybe a quarter of us went into parish ministry. So he was interested in those of us who had gone in and stayed in parish ministry, and he had one question for all of us. His question, after all these years, what has sustained you? And immediately I answered, Jesus and Nancy Mead. <laughs> I explained Nancy first. She had looked long and hard at what it would mean to be married to a priest and living in the fishbowl, I mean to say the rectory. When I asked her, will you? She said, yes, I'd won the prize. Not only was Nancy a lifelong Episcopalian, she was a devout, believing Christian. We said night prayers together and grace before supper, especially once the children arrived. More than that, and through and in everything, we wanted the children to see that Jesus was a living presence and power to be reckoned with in our house. We also wanted our family to be able to discriminate between the glory of God on the one hand and the dust and dirt that life in the church can kick up and has kicked up since New Testament times. We would hold the kids when they were infants and pray that Jesus would show his face to each of them. And thank God that osmosis gave way in our children's, to our children's free embrace of faith over the years. I count that among our greatest blessings. I said Jesus and Nancy sustained me, now for Jesus. I had been brought up and my parents were involved in a liberal denomination 
the Disciples of Christ, a.k.a. the Christian Church. They're big in the Midwest. Uh, They were founded by a man named Alexander Campbell, who was a Presbyterian minister to be a kind of ecumenical movement. Uh, So they've always been big in the ecumenical movement. Their motto was, no creed but Christ. And they had communion every Sunday. And they did succeed in getting across the message, at least to me, Jesus loves me, this I know. Maybe there wasn't so much for the Bible tells me so, but they got the Jesus part across. I don't know how you do that without the Bible, but that's another sermon for another day. Um, Nevertheless, I drifted away from church in high school. I didn't think church was cool. I resisted going. We had house rules, though, and my parents won on that one. Um, But as soon as they dropped me off for my freshman year at DePauw University in Greencastle, Indiana, I stopped going. When I was home, I obeyed the house rules. I began to fortify my resistance to going to church with skepticism, but I could never quite rid myself of an attachment to the figure of Jesus. I recall arguing with a fraternity brother against God's existence. We were out on the lawn in front of our house on a clear October Indiana night. The stars were bright and seemed large enough to pluck out of the sky. Andy, said my friend, you know perfectly well there is a God. I looked up and it was though the stars were saying, amen, brother. Later, while studying for a quiz in a New Testament course that I had elected, to examine the church's foundation document, I had a vision in my mind's eye of Christ crucified. Vivid it was. I had long thought Jesus' crucifixion was perfectly terrible, as it is, because it's an indictment of our fallen human race and of each of us sinners. But something happened that night. I realized that night that Good Friday was also Jesus's finest hour. The climax, not the nadir, the climax of his whole life and witness, something he had always known would be the cost of his ministry. More than that, that night, it seemed that Jesus was living, reigning from his cross, and still more, that Christ was addressing himself that night to me. And I have never been the same. Jesus, let's just say this, Jesus had reintroduced himself to me. And a little later, not long later at all, I recall thinking, this gospel of Jesus is the best news there is. And I am going to do everything I can to share it. I had been the editor of the campus newspaper, deeply immersed in the student politics of the 60s, God help us all. 
Now I would become a preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ. I gladly went to the local Episcopal church and discovered the Book of Common Prayer with its creeds and liturgies, and I loved it. Two priests, the New Testament professor was a priest, and the local rector came and told me they wanted to take me to the bishop. I went. If I hadn't, I would never have met Nancy. And so a half century later, here I am. Now this is how I want to end and what I want to tell you. The gospel of Jesus, crucified and risen, is as fresh and splendid to me now as it was then. More so since the Bible and the church through the Holy Spirit have led me ever more deeply into the unfathomable mystery of Christ. And from that beginning to this moment, here's what I say. I say that Jesus is God's good news. Jesus is God's word made flesh. Jesus reveals the human face of Almighty God. He is the incarnation of the truth that God is love and that love is stronger than death. That was my call and it still is. So I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Father Craig and all of you for this chance after all these years to tell this story in this holy place. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, amen. Please stand and join me in affirming our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice.
Surely it is God who saves us. Therefore, we joyfully pray to the Lord, God, our salvation, thank you. Though hindered by our sins and in need of your bountiful grace and mercy, you never leave us. You are ever in our midst. Renew your church in love. You may add now your own thanksgivings. Let us give thanks for Father Andrew's ministry among us these last six years. God, our salvation. Thank you. Make your deeds known among the people, O God. Save the lame, gather the outcast. May the exiles know home and all people know your peace. God, our salvation. May your springs of salvation renew the earth, heal our planet, and restore in us a sense of responsibility and gratitude. God, our salvation. Thank you. Merciful God, in this month of great excess and consumerism, call the financial and business communities to act justly and generously. Grant that those without coats be clothed and those without food be fed. God, our salvation. Thank you. O oh God, you have done great things. With thankful hearts, we pray to you for those burdened by shame, grief, or weakness. Be for them a stronghold and a sure defense. You may add your own particular petitions. In our parish cycle of prayer, we pray especially for Stephen and Jane Purini, Jane Rawlings, and Jerry and Claudia Reynolds. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for all laity and their several vocations and ministries that they may truly and devoutly serve God. God, our salvation. Thank you. God, our salvation. Gather us with all those who have died, especially Alexis Allen Boss, into your sacred heart. Grant us to sing your praises for all eternity. God, our salvation. Thank you. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
keep you in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us greet one another with a sign of Christ's love for us. I invite everyone to please be seated. And again, it is so wonderful to have so many with us this morning as we celebrate Father Mead's 50th anniversary. Uh, earlier today uh, at the 8 o'clock service, we did present Father with a small gift from St. Peter's. It is a framed print of Bruce Martin's sketch or drawing of St. Peter's Church. It's my understanding enough we have now completed your collection of churches that you have served at worked at. So we're glad to have done that for you again. And thank you for all your help and ministry among us these last six years and support to me as your rector. Thank you. The giving tree comes down today or tomorrow, but um, we are still more than able to accept donations of socks and gloves and hats and uh, mittens, etc., right through till Wednesday, at which point we will take everything and sort through. As you can see, it is quite full once again. It is filling up underneath as well. Uh, I was really moved when I walked in this morning because there's more stuff there even from when I last saw it when I left on Friday. The generosity of this parish is wonderful and unbelievable, and to each and every one of you who have donated, thank you so much from the appreciative heart of your rector, and I can tell you on Friday the appreciation of our guests, many of whom are older, often forgotten at this time. To have a new hat, scarf, and mittens is a most precious gift to all of them, as well as the socks. So um, know that your gift and generosity will warm the heart and, makes, and allow someone to experience that God still loves them even today in their older age. So thank you so much for that. Looking ahead just slightly, like tomorrow night at 7 p.m., <laughs> there is an event here, which, um, Tony, would you like to share? Sure. So tomorrow night, the Community College of Rhode Island Choruses will be presenting uh, the Vivaldi Gloria in conjunction with our wonderful choir. Um, there'll be some small group numbers, which are wonderful as well. Um, what do we need to say? It's fantastic. We had our dress rehearsal Wednesday. I, I sat for the first part of it in the back of the church and was just blown away by the sound. It's absolutely wonderful. You will not regret coming. You will enjoy it thoroughly. 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Masks are required because there's a lot of singers and a lot of singing. All right? 7 o'clock tomorrow. Be there. And speaking of masking, people have been asking as COVID numbers are rising again. Uh, it does not look like it's going to affect us at this point. That's the good news. It may affect the 8 o'clock if there is a mask mandate put in place. Because we sing, we have to wear our masks throughout the service anyway. So I think we're in pretty good shape without any changes looming. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed. I'm planning on being here for Christmas. And I will be here at 4 o'clock for our children's service. 
And people ask me, well, what's that service? That's for the littlest guys. It's very, very simple. It's designed for bedlam and dancing in the aisles. <laughs> so in wandering up and down, all those kinds of fun things. So if you're not into that, don't come to 4 o'clock. <laughs> if you'd like something a little bit more solemn, joyous and festive, without the extra singing and joyous sounds, come to the 6 o'clock with our full choir. That'll be a right to liturgy. Or even come to the 10 o'clock where we'll have at least an octet, I'm hearing. Yes. Is that, yes. With extra singing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. And um, we'll have brass and timpani at both services. And if you don't like to sing and you really don't like music, then come to the 10 o'clock on Christmas morning. You'll still have to sing the first verse of every carol, but it won't be like the whole thing, but it'll be a simple quieter mass at 10 a.m. So that is our schedule for Christmas. I plan on being here. Granted, the creek don't rise, and what's the other part of that statement? But I will be here, God willing, and the creek don't rise, as they say, down south. So uh, I look forward to seeing many of you. The 26th comes on Sunday. We'll have church here at 8 and 10.15. I'll be here. As many as you wish to join me, please, I'll be happy to have all of you, because it gets lonely on the Sunday after Christmas. So <laughs> please, I need company. So please come join us for that. Um, it's, what is that, crickets? Crickets. It'll be Tony, me, and the crickets at 10, 10 15. So anyway, um, those are, for the most part, my announcements this morning. If uh, I've left anything else, please refer to the e-net that came out on Friday. If you do not receive the e-net, please let our um, parish administrator, my assistant, Mary Ellen Banks, know. She'll be glad to get you set up to receive the e-net. Also, if you think you're supposed to be getting the e-net and have not seen it in the last few weeks, check your junk mail. Google thinks we are sending out advertising because we have a commercial account. So you may need to go into your junk mail and pull it over into your regular account to find it. So if it's missing in action, check the junk mail. If it's not there, call us. And um, to Bev and Lou, you can take your cameras out a little bit later <laughs> to prove to their mother they're doing great. They're doing great. On that note, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God.
the Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, because you sent your beloved Son to redeem us from sin and death, and to make us as in him of everlasting life, that when he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may without shame or fear to rejoice, to behold his appearing, Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. thanks to you, O God, for the goodness and love which you've made known to us in creation, in the calling of Israel to be your people, in your words spoken through the prophets, and above all in the word made flesh, Jesus your Son. For in these last days you sent him to be incarnate from the Virgin Mary, to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. In him you have delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before you. In him you have brought us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. On the night before he died for us, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, according to his command, O Father, we remember his death, we proclaim his resurrection, 
we await his coming in glory. And we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, O Lord of all, presenting to you from your creation this bread and this wine. We pray you, gracious God, to send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts, that they may be the sacrament of the body of Christ and his blood of the new covenant. Unite us to your Son in his sacrifice, that we may be acceptable through him being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, and bring us to that heavenly country, where with the blessed Virgin Mary, and Peter our patron, and John the Baptist, and all your saints, we may enter the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters, through Jesus Christ our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. <coughs> By him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God, by whose providence our Savior Christ came among us in great humility, sanctify you with the light of his blessing and set you free from all sin. Amen. May he whose second coming in power and great glory we await make you steadfast in faith, joyful in hope, and constant in love. Amen. May you who rejoice in the first advent of our Redeemer at his second advent be rewarded with unending life. Amen. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Our hymn is hymn 57. There's been a typo today, so it's hymn 57, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Please stand.
Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God.